Hey there, it's David. One of the realities of your life is that you can't go anywhere, do anything, make any decisions, or study any subject without you being there. In other words, it's impossible to remove you from any scenario in your life. Where you go, there you are. So, I say welcome to you. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to your preconceived notions. Welcome to your biases. Welcome to your likes and your dislikes. Welcome to your lessons learned and your baggage. Welcome to you, all of you. And I invite you to be right here, right now, with all of you. Don't try to suspend anything. Don't pretend in any way. Don't try to be who you think someone else wants you to be. Don't even try to be who you think you want you to be. I simply invite you to be here as you. Before we begin, how are you doing? You've been living for a little while on a new island. You're wrestling with the concept that there is a God and that you matter to God. For God is what you need to fill the hole in your life the hole that you discovered you had on the last island in which you lived. Oh, you haven't lived on the last island yet? Well, I guess it's time that you did. Go back to episode one, The Rules, and start from there. I will see you right here when you get back. For the rest of us, let's continue to journey together. Let's continue to explore the concept of the existence of God and the fact that you matter to God. Let's go island hopping. Having said all of that, I believe that the existence of God really isn't your stumbling block. Where most of us get tripped up is our inability to believe that we matter to God. For it's one thing to believe that there is a God who created everything and everyone. To believe that there is something greater out there somewhere. Greater than all we can know or experience right here, right now. It's quite another thing to believe that this very same God who created everything and everyone cares about little old you. This is a stumbling block of perspective. It's hard to fathom that God would care for you if you've lived your entire life trying to do your way into God's good graces, trying to be good enough in God's eyes, trying to earn God's love. It's hard to believe that the one you're trying to impress or live up to their lofty standards by doing everything right all the time, actually cares for you and loves you. If, from your perspective, God is a coach that's always pushing you and looking for all of your mistakes, or a drill sergeant who is constantly in your face picking on your every weakness, or Santa Claus that's always watching you to see if you've been good for goodness sake. 
how could you ever believe that that same God actually cares for you? That you would actually matter to that version of God? Yet, these perspectives of God, coach, drill sergeant, Santa Claus, are prevalent. These perspectives are precisely how many of us see God. We see God as a disciplinarian. We see God as sitting up in heaven just waiting for us to slip up so that punishment can be rendered. How can anyone think that they would matter to such a God as this? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not shout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. We've created a Santa Claus God. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake, in order to make sure everyone behaves according to acceptable cultural norms. In other words, we've created God to fit into our box and our needs. We need something to keep people in line. We need something to serve as the basis for what we as a people deem to be right and wrong. We need God to play the role of moral, behavioral, and spiritual police officer, judge, jury, and executioner of what we deem to be right and proper when it comes to our actions. Religion has become about what we do as opposed to who we are in relationship with God. We have watered down faith to a list of do's and don'ts based on societal, cultural, and even racial and socioeconomic norms. We've created an image of God that's all about what we do as opposed to who we are. Well, never forget that the second of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. An image can be and is so much more than simply a statue or a picture. An image is also a mental representation or idea. Defining God in limited terms like someone who is always out to get you, to watch you, to punish you when you mess up, etc., a Santa Claus God, is an image. And any image that we create of God can and will get in the way of our genuine relationship with God. Because who in the world thinks that Santa Claus cares for them? Does everyone matter to Santa Claus? Or do only the people on the nice list matter to Santa Claus? The only thing Santa Claus cares about is bringing presents on Christmas Eve and scarfing up all the milk and cookies. Let's be real. Santa Claus is a judgmental SOB. For if you don't act right all year long, you won't get any presents under the Christmas tree. Or, it's better said, that the only present you will get is a lump of coal in your stocking. And it will be your own fault. Obviously, you were such a horrible person that you ended up on the naughty list. This is the perspective of God that we have adopted. 
We need to be good in order to matter to God. We have forgotten that we have all been created in the image of God and not the other way around. Now, I know that this all seems a bit extreme. I admit I love Christmas and Santa Claus and Rudolph, but I hope you understand. My goal is to make a point, and the point is this. Contrary to what you've been taught, you matter to God, no matter what you do. You matter to God because you matter to God, not because you're good enough to matter to God. God isn't up in heaven looking for opportunities to punish you for every mistake, misstep, or misfortune. God isn't making a list and checking it twice, determining who is naughty and who is nice. If God has any list, it's a list of the number of hairs on your head. For the nature of God, who God is, isn't punishment. Yes, God has rendered a judgment on all individuals. All of us are condemned to die because of sin. All of us are separated from God because of sin. This is our natural, from birth, life reality. Since the Garden of Eden, all of humanity has been a slave to sin and death and separated from God. But this judgment isn't final, for all of us have the personal choice of free will. Every person has the same choice to believe there's a God and that you matter to God. God doesn't condemn someone for their actions. Remember, having a relationship with God is about who you are, not what you do. Being saved by grace through faith in Jesus is about who you are, not what you do. Also, punishment, determining who has been naughty and who has been nice, isn't who God is. For all of us are already on the naughty list. For nobody is good enough all on their own. How would you define architect? My definition, I think, of architect is a designer, someone who's very detailed. An architect looks at things, looks at the big picture, and produces something that makes sense in a picture form. How would you define shepherd? A shepherd is a leader. A shepherd has to be very aware of the surroundings. A shepherd has to have compassion, and a shepherd also looks after a group, a flock, uh, a gathering, a family, um, to be able to lead them in a direction of safety. How do you define architect? Oh, a builder of something very structural. How do you define shepherd? Oh, a leader. How do you define architect? I think of architect almost as a building, I guess, the style and the way that you build it. How would you define shepherd? For some reason, I think a sheep, but just herding sheep and people along. How do you define architect? Architect creates buildings and designs facades and what else does an architect do? Different from an engineer, but he has the concept of what the building should look like and function. How would you define shepherd? Someone who leads his flock. 
One of the most well-known verses of Scripture is Psalm 23. You can't go to a memorial service without hearing Psalm 23, or at least reading it on a little card that is handed to you as you arrive. The first five words of Psalm 23 are vital on this journey and beg your attention. I spent an entire week on these five words. The Lord is my shepherd. As I wrestled with my perspective of God on this island. See, I once upon a time had a relationship with God as an architect. I believed in intelligent design and I believed that God was the intelligent designer. I thanked God every day for giving me life and the world in which to live my life. Yet, I never perceived God as my shepherd. My perspective was that God loved me and thus God gave me life and a world in which to live. Yet, I didn't believe, or I can better say I never realized, that God cared about me. I never realized that I mattered to God. Not just mattered in the sense that God made a world for me and placed me in it but mattered in the sense that God wanted to be involved in my in-and-out, up-and-down, everyday living life. I didn't realize that God was so much more than just an architect. I had to learn that God was also my shepherd. This revelation required me to ask, what is a shepherd? Well, simply put, a shepherd is someone who herds, tends, and guards sheep. The sheep matter to the shepherd. The shepherd guides them, protects them, and seeks them out when they get lost. Great! I now know what a shepherd is. But who is my shepherd? The Lord. This is Lord with a capital L. The uppercase L refers to a proper noun, a person, a place, or a thing, which is God. If this would have simply been a Lord, like a landlord or the Lord of the castle, the word would have used a lowercase L. This is where it gets personal, and this was the stumbling block that I needed to overcome. Whose shepherd is the Lord? Those powerful five words reappear. The Lord is my shepherd. There's a personal touch here, a note of intimacy. The Lord isn't the sheep's shepherd. The Lord isn't just the shepherd of the people on the nice list. The Lord is my shepherd regardless of what list the world puts me on. God doesn't only care about the people who do everything right, the people who live up to the societal norms of nice. God cares about all the children, who, by the way, are all naughty, and that includes you and me. Now that I had a better understanding of who God was, a shepherd as opposed to merely an architect, I had to ask another question. What does the shepherd do? Well, the shepherd guides, directs, protects, and seeks. Take a while to soak that all in. The nature of God as shepherd is to guide, direct, protect, and seek the sheep. And if you haven't already picked this up, you and I are the sheep. These five words, the Lord is my shepherd, transformed my understanding of the nature of God and subsequently my relationship with God. When I was in college, my God wasn't a shepherd. My God was an architect. I revered and honored God as the master creator, the intelligent designer. Not a day went by that I didn't praise God for creation and the grace that God showed by creating me to live in this creation. Yet it took me over 20 years to acknowledge that I mattered to God. 
that the Lord was my shepherd. Yes, I believed that I mattered to God as long as I was doing what God wanted me to do. I believed I mattered to God as long as I stayed on the nice list. I believe I mattered to God when I studied the Bible. I believed I mattered to God when I went to church. I believed I mattered to God when I prayed. I believed I mattered to God when I tithed. I believed I mattered to God when I taught Sunday school or led a youth group. I believed I mattered to God when I went to seminary. I believed I mattered to God as a pastor. Yet I didn't truly believe that my identity, who I was, was a person who mattered to God. I believed that I mattered to God when I was doing all the right things, when I was securely living on the nice list. I believed that I mattered to the architect when I was living out the architect's design. I didn't believe that God was interested in me, who I was. I believed that God was only interested in my actions. I believed that God only cared about what I did. What transpired because of this perspective of the nature of God was a very impersonal, almost business-like relationship with God. I believed that God saw me when I was sleeping and saw me when I was awake, thus I had to be good, for goodness sake. I didn't believe that I mattered to God. After all, who spends any time wondering if they matter to Santa Claus? For the proof is found in the pudding, so to speak. You know you matter to Santa Claus if you get gifts under the tree. You know you don't matter to Santa Claus if you get coal in your stocking. I hope you can see the inherent danger in this type of reasoning. If you believe that you matter to God only when you're doing the right things, you must also believe that you don't matter to God when you're doing the wrong things. What personal pressure this perspective creates when we adopt such a skewed understanding of God for ourselves. And what judgmental spirits this perspective creates when we adopt such a skewed understanding of God about others. Living in this skewed perspective, your relationship with God becomes all about carrying your share of the load, keeping up your end of the bargain. God has given you everything, so you better be good or else you will lose everything. You better be good for goodness sake. Yet, since none of us are perfect, none of us can be good enough on our own. The only logical outcome of this perspective, then, is that you'll live a majority of your life believing that you don't matter to God. You will live the majority of your life on the naughty list, believing that you're a disappointment to God, believing that you don't matter to God because you can't consistently do everything right. The only exception to this reality will be those very few times in life when all the cosmic tumblers fall in line and you're good enough. This describes me, and if I bet, it describes you also. I had to come to the realization that the Lord is my shepherd, no matter what. The Lord wasn't just my shepherd when I did everything right. Sheep, after all, aren't the brightest of animals. But the shepherd still loves them, and they matter to the shepherd no matter what. This island is about realizing that there not only is a God, but that you matter to God. Who you are is important to God, not just what you do. God wants to walk with you every day, not just those few days in your life when you get everything right. The shepherd sits in the field with the sheep as they graze, and God wants to do the same thing with you. The shepherd is interested in every aspect of the life of the sheep, and God is interested in every aspect of your life, good or bad, right or wrong, naughty or nice.
The difference in this metaphor is that the sheep don't realize that they need the shepherd. No sheep sits around and ponders life without the shepherd. Sheep simply are. Yet their very being relies on the shepherd. Being able to exist as a sheep relies on the shepherd guiding, directing, protecting, and seeking. And the same is true for all of us. Yet you and I aren't really sheep. We've been created in the image of God. We understand that there's something out there somewhere that's bigger than us. We understand that we're a part of a divine play and we all get to play a part. We experience, we contribute, we participate, and we choose. And it's precisely this reality that makes it so hard for us to see and understand the Lord is my shepherd. We know just enough to make us dangerous. God has set eternity in our minds, but we just don't know what God has been up to from the beginning to the end. We have the freedom of choice, the freedom to claim our sheepness, or the freedom to continue to live with a Santa Claus God, the freedom to accept the grace of God, or the freedom to fear the punishment of God, the freedom to focus on what we do, or the freedom to focus on who we are. So you have a choice to make. You can sit around and ponder life, searching, wondering, longing for meaning and connection without the shepherd. You know that you need something, that you have a hole in your life that you haven't been able to fill on your own. The world, our culture, has taught you to simply make sure you're good enough. Make sure that you stay on the nice list. Do all the right things and don't do all the wrong things and you'll be good. Well, how many times have we said to ourselves and others, but I'm a good person? The answer to that question is a moving target. According to God, none of us are good enough on our own. According to the world, our culture, many of us are good enough because we don't get into trouble. Is it any surprise that this reality has manufactured Santa Claus with his naughty and nice list? Santa Claus who can see all the boys and girls when they are sleeping and when they are awake? And our culture's training that we all need to be good for goodness sake. So, now you must decide. Will you continue to fill the God-shaped hole in your life with other stuff? Fill it with behaviors and doing? Fill it with the unattainable goal of being good enough? Or will you finally claim that the Lord is my shepherd and begin to live into a relationship with God that isn't based on your actions or the cultural norm for your actions? Are you willing to acknowledge that there is a God and that you matter to God. Well, I know that was a lot to take in, especially if you are someone who already struggles with self-worth. But I want you to hear me. You matter to God. God loves you and God wants to be in your life, all of your life, not just the church part of your life or the nice part of your life or the perfect part of your life. God wants to be in all of your life. For God isn't interested in what you do, but God is very interested in who you are. So until next time, when we will look at the all too common phenomenon of purpose-driven relationships, May you repeat to yourself over and over and over again, I matter to God. 
Hey there, it's Tammy Cullen. Island Hopping is a production of Journey to Be Ministries and is sponsored by Beneva Christian Church. You can find Beneva Christian on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, as well as their website, benevachristian.com. If you'd like to contact my brother-in-law, David, just drop him an email at islandhoppingpodcast at gmail.com.